Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Immediately, I, I knew in my heart that this was death. I knew. I knew that, I don't know how I knew. And I could see the window uh, across from this being. And he, it, this, the light was not shining through it, through this person. The light was not shining through. So he was quite solid and um, real. You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences of the spirit world. I'm your host, Karina Machado. I'm also the host of the Spirit Sisters podcast and the author of three books about real-life spooky and spiritual experiences. Earlier this year, Spirit Sisters, the book that launched me on this paranormal path, was re-released in a 10th anniversary edition. Find it online and in bookstores. Then get in touch to let me know what you think. Speaking of how much I love hearing your feedback, thank you so much to everyone who's reviewed the show. It really puts a big smile on my face to read about how much you're enjoying The Ghost Files. Now to the episode. My guest today is Albina, who's joining us from her home in New Zealand to share a story about a pair of chilling encounters when she was a child growing up in Bulgaria that completely overturned her world and her understanding of life, death, and what lies beyond. Those experiences continue to powerfully impact her life today. Here's her fascinating story. Welcome to the show, Albina. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's really great to have you. Now, you're joining us today from your home in Auckland, New Zealand, but you were born in Bulgaria. Yes. Please. Tell us a little about who you are and how you came to be living in New Zealand. Um, well, I was born in 81 and uh, I lived through the um, old communist curtain in Eastern Europe. Um, I lived in Bulgaria with my parents, but uh, because they were quite busy working, my grandmother was the person who... Um, kind of was my mentor and um, she brought me up. She, we were very close, extremely close. And um, most of my time, most of my summers and free time I spent with her and um, in her house. Okay. Now, Albina, you wrote to tell me that you'd recently discovered the podcast and that as soon as you did, you knew you had to get in touch with me to share this particular story. Yes. And as soon as I heard it, I knew I had to then share it with the Ghost Files audience. So I'm really thrilled that you could be with us today. Awesome. So as you were saying, your story is set in Bulgaria and it involves your your lovely grandma, Maria, whom you were very close to. And you, you shared such a tight bond, didn't you? It's quite yeah. a rare bond from what rare. I read in your message. Yes, very rare. And um, um, 
gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. We were really very close. Um, she was, um, she did everything for me. Um, I did everything for her. I still, to this day, although she's been gone now for, I think around 26 years, I feel extremely close to her to this day, Mem having memorized her pure existence, her smell, her 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 skin, her hands. Um, it's just so fresh still in my memory, although it's been so many years. That's lovely. And I loved how you shared with me in your email that, you know, you'd listen to the radio together, then then you'd snuggle yeah. to sleep and often you'd sleep together as well. You were you were so close. And it was during a, a typical night like this when you were sharing a room that something astonishing happened. Please tell us about that. Yes, so we used to um just have girl fun. She um would snuggle with me in bed and we would uh, put the uh, night radio on. It was usually kind of a discussion radio, fun topics and a little bit of music and we would chat and we would just fall asleep um, listening to, to that radio. And um, one, one that particular night, um, I slept in her room with her in, in her bed um, and um, right next to her bed, right next to the side where she was sleeping, she had this sewing machine, as I assume all grandmothers do. And um, I woke up, but I remember waking up really um, feeling very odd, very um, unusual. And uh, in my child mind, I couldn't really explain it. Um, in, and, you know, the, it wasn't pure darkness because from the window there was kind of moonlight. And I kind of... Uh, opened my eyes, sat up and just looked into into the dark and straight from the dark, a, a, a figure appeared um, walking towards her, towards her side of the bed. And I, I, I kind of just froze, um, you know, it took me a few seconds to realize what was happening and to kind of um, focus my vision on what I was seeing. And I recognized uh, the figure immediately. It was my great grandfather who I don't actually, have many memories of him because he passed away when I was maybe five or six. Um, and I, I, I have tiny bit of memories, but I did recognize him. I recognized his, his uh, um, uh, traditional wear and, and how he was dressed. And, and he just stood there, but he wasn't scary. He was just, he had this warmth, you know, about him. And he kind of smiled and looked at her and he said to me, Oh, I'm I'm just coming to I'm I'm coming to take my child home, and and that that moment just stayed with me. It stressed me immensely. It 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 really just broke my heart because I I kind of realized what that would probably mean in my childlike way, and um, it was over in in a second because I I got so. Um, um, I got so scared, I got so nervous and, and afraid for my grandmother that I just kind of made a lot of noise, started crying, at which point she woke up and, um, uh, you know, I told her the whole story. Um, she thought that what it did was... You, yeah, what did she say about, about what you'd seen? Well, she thought that it was, um, I mean, she she didn't really 
she brushed it off in a way and she kind of laughed about it and she said oh you know our ancestors sometimes come and see us they shouldn't scare you um she was very open to that kind of thing and um um she kind of she she reassured me i'm not sure what she was thinking but i think that all she was trying to do is really calm me down in that moment and um prevent me from being terrified and from being scared. And so how old were you when this happened? This, I was 12. You were 12. Yes. And so just to to unpack a little bit more about your gra- great-grandfather. So this yes. was your grandmother's father. Correct. And, yes, and how he looked. Did he look to you like a transparent figure or like a flesh and blood person walking into the room? How did he present himself to you? He looked completely normal, like a like a human. He looked like a human. He even even his expression was clear of his face, and his clothing was clear. Um, he didn't look see through, or he was not floating. He he looked real. I mean, his hands, his movement, and the way he he kind of looked down. It was it was very real. Um, that's why I got so stunned because. It, you, I don't real. I don't know if your brain realizes immediately what's happening, um, because you know this person can't be there, and um, he was just he was just very real, very even even his personality came through uh, with with this you know with with him appearing that way. So what was that personality? Because as you said, you you had very little memory of him because he'd passed away when you were quite yeah. little. So what what did you recognize of him? I recognized I recognized the the um, he, his um or he was a farmer and um his kind of um uh, very earthly kind of he was down to earth and very very bright person. He was a very smiley person and that's that's perhaps what I remember of him the most and I I felt that I felt that it's him. I just knew it was him. I, I just feeling of family of uh, your own. I don't really know how to explain it, but it's just no, that's good. Yeah, mm. the personality it's, came through. It, his personality came through, and it's interesting because, as you say, his personality was a kind man, smiling. So, what it seems to me, listening to you, that what frightened you so much wasn't this appearance of your supposedly dead grandfather walking into the room it was the message that he carried yes yes I kind of felt in that moment that he was just about to grab her hand and take take her with him and I think that's what terrified me um that really did it it stayed with me for for a long time that um that vision Yes, and so yeah, you in in your email you actually described it as feeling haunted for for days and then weeks by this yeah. event. Yeah, tell tell us a little bit more about how how it affected you in these weeks. How did you you? I mean, I know you were only twelve years old, but how did you process it? Uh, yes, yeah, so it it was very um, open conversation with. You know, it, it's just people speak about these type of things um, and um, experiences of such. So I was aware of the fact that there, there could be 
spirits. And what haunted me was that he's come to take her away from me and I would constantly check uh, whether she's she's alive, would constantly check if she's breathing, constantly check if she's okay. And I would literally just beg her not to die um, because I thought that that's what was going to happen. Okay. And so this is how you're feeling and for a few days and a few weeks indeed. And then at some point, please tell us how, how much later you took a trip with your grandma to a neighbouring village. Yes. So um, this it must have been, I don't know exactly the time, but I would say maybe four or five weeks later, um, we decided to... Well, she decided to go to our village where our farmhouse is and we would do this often because we would bring produce back with us and we would help out a little bit. And she, um, I was on school holidays and she took me with her. She decided that we would go together and we did. Um, and uh, again, with my, with always with that thing in my head, uh, is something going to happen? Um, I was always very wary of her being around me and making sure that she's nearby so that I can monitor her, even in, you know, in that um, small, uh, young age of mine. Mm. But uh, yeah, it, it really, it really, it really panics me. That. Mm. Yeah. That's really coming across that, that sense of panic. So I feel like you would have jumped at the chance to go with her on this trip so that, yes. yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. something happened what, while you were on the trip. What was it? So this this changed my life. Um, the farmhouse that we have, it is uh, we still have actually. It, it's probably about four hundred years old, and it's been in the family. Um, and it's always been a very shared environment and family environment. And um, we slept in one room that night. It was a hot summer night. It was really hot, and, and the summers in Europe are extremely um, scorching. And at night, it, it it doesn't cool down. It it just stays really hot to the point where some sometimes we had to wet our bed sheets to you know there weren't any air cons and things like that. So we had to stay cool. And this is the type of weather that we had at the time. And um, we went to bed. Uh, slept in the, in one of the old old rooms of the house where two single beds are placed at a at a corner, so at a, at a ninety degree um, corner where the the one bed so that the heads meet together. Okay, yeah, kind of and at a ninety degree. I'm not sure if I can yes. explain this correctly. And so. If I turn so to the left is the, my, the to my left is the wall as I'm lying on the bed and to my right is the rest of the room and my grandmother's head which I can clearly see and you know she's sleeping um, to, she's sleeping basically 90 degrees to me and um, we fell asleep there's a big window in the room moonlight uh, quite bright room. Um, uh, windows opened because of the heat. Um, so at some point in the night, um, I wake up frozen, literally just shivering to the bone. Um, but not only shivering, I was literally frozen 
on, on the bed. I'm lying on my back um, and I cannot move. I am pinned down to the bed. And I couldn't understand what is happening to me. And I'm just trying to lift my arms and I can't. And in that moment, I look to my right, at which point I see her head and I see this person standing over her. He, he I, I, I uh, think it was a he, although I couldn't exactly, I, I think it was a he, that was my feel. Mm -hmm. But he was, he was tall to the ceiling. He wasn't a normal height person. He was tall to the ceiling with a black cloak, um, wearing the hoodie. I could see his face. I could see the nose. He was just slightly bent over her with his hands cupped, um, kind of in a cup, cupped position mm. over her head. And he just stood there without a movement without anything he just he just stood there over her and I could see the the material of his cloak I, I could see him so clearly not not as a as a as a ghost not as a see-through um vision or um, it, he was real it was it was a real being to me it looked like a real being but very very large standing above her standing over her like that just leaning gently over her with, with his hands cupped above her head. And did you, did he say anything to her? And who, what was your sense of who this being was? Immediately, I, I knew in my heart that this was death. I knew. Mm -hmm. I knew that, I don't know how I knew. And I could see the window uh, across from this being, and he, it, this, the light was not shining through it, through this person. The light was not shining through, so he was quite solid and um, real, quite yeah. real. And I thought the first thing that I thought is, oh my goodness, he's come, he's come to take her, and he didn't move, he didn't say anything at all. He was just standing extremely stationary, not looking at me, not absolutely not acknowledging me at all. Um, and I kept thinking, if I just count to five and I just jump and put that light on and just scream, you know, it will be okay. And I couldn't. I just couldn't. I was completely pinned to that bed, frozen. Mm -hmm. where it was freezing. It was cold, provided that it's probably 35 degrees outside. And um, That's it, it was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was an outrageous experience. And I would like to ask you, Albina. So both of these um, paranormal events that you've experienced within a relatively short period of time have yeah. um, this symptom of paralysis, and I'm sure you've heard of the condition sleep paralysis, and and yeah. what it, um, you know, the visions that people may have during um, a, um, an instance of sleep paralysis. Have you considered that that was something that you might have experienced in that moment? I, uh, I don't know. I actually haven't thought about whether this was sleep paralysis. I, I was definitely wasn't sleeping 
Um, mm, I don't think so. I, I think that my feel is that there was a presence of an entity that during that experience, um, perhaps, in, this is probably going to sound strange, but perhaps time stops for me and I'm stuck in, in this uh, moment where I'm unable to in any way um, have an effect on what's happening. Mm. And so that this being can do what it has to do, or uh, I don't really know how to say it in another in other way. Yes. No, thank you. Um, for, thank you for sharing that. I just thought I'd pr- bring it up because paralysis is such a, such a feature of a lot of the interviews that I do. And certainly, you know, I know about sleep paralysis and I've interviewed a sleep expert and I, I don't believe that we can attribute every single case of an encounter that involves paralysis. I don't believe that we can attribute every single one to a, a cut side yeah. case of sleep paralysis. But I do like to just um, explore it with with my guests if the opportunity presents itself. And certainly as you're about to share the way events turned out, it would seem to prove that this was not a simple case of uh, some sort of hallucination to do with sleep paralysis. So please um, tell us what happened next. Well, um, I uh, stood there for a very long time. I don't know how long it was. For me, it felt really, really long in that moment um, until the moment when I was actually able to jump out of bed and, and, and just switch that light on. That was my, I was concentrating on being able to do that, at which point I just started screaming and, and just, I was so frightened. Um, and um, I switched the light on, she got up. Uh, I It took me a while to be able to explain to her what I'd seen and what's happened. And again, in her gentle fashion, she kind of, calmed me down, said, oh, perhaps you were dreaming. But I think she she knew because I think she knew. Um, but I think her focus in that moment was just to calm me because I was extremely, extremely um, upset and, and just, just, I was shocked. I was beyond shocked. I didn't know how to explain what I just witnessed. Mm. Oh God! And so, yeah. and then, yeah. yeah. Please, please, um, go on and tell us what happened next. <clears throat> and so we um, we spoke for the rest of the night, and uh, we decided to leave the, the next day. I, I was I was way too scared to even um, go back in the room. Um, and I just thought I just kept thinking of of what I saw, and I just kept uh, trying to rationalize it. And uh, we went back home and uh, things went back to normal for a while. Um, And a few weeks later, um, she unfortunately died. She died. um, She died quietly and kind of willingly in a very um, ready way. And I think she knew that she was dying. what do you mean a red? I think she knew before. What what happened? How how do you what how did it um, how did you experience your grandmother's death? What happened? She had 
at that time I wasn't with her. She had called um, my dad, well, she had, she had called our house to speak to me. I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't there. I was at school. What hadn't been back from school yet. And um, she had said, I really, really want to see you straight away. Um, and I got them to see me straight away. Um, but unfortunately, I'd, I'd gotten um, late with coming home from school. I didn't get the message till later. And when I heard that, I kind of caught the bus and I went straight there. And she had already died. But what had happened is that she, she had prepared breakfast. She had cleaned the house. Um, it was all there. Um, the house was in um, in perfect condition, all decorated. The food was laid out on the table. She had taken a shower. She had gotten dressed in her beautiful dress. She had done her hair, her makeup. She even had perfume on. And she had just laid there um, and died. So it, and, it looks as if, or it looked as if she had prepared she knew she woke up knowing what was going to unfold that day and she got all her affairs in order and you know made herself look lovely as if she was going out (laughs) and then she just lay down in her bed is that right yeah pretty much yes how old was Maria she was very young she was 54 oh my goodness and was Mm -hmm. she unwell uh Besides the, I guess, little things that come with age, um, she wasn't um, unwell. She was a very vibrant, happy person, um, always dancing, always singing, the typical uh, European grandmother, a very, very vibrant person, still working from time to time, very uh, energetic, never an indication that she would just die. Did you um, get any medical explanation afterwards? We did. Um, the doctor said that she had, um, there was an explanation of a, of a, a brain hemorrhage uh. um, and there was blood, the blood wasn't moving correctly through her brain. Um, and that is basically what we what we knew in those days in the 90s. That is the explanation we got. Yes. And so, Albina, you were only 12. You'd just lost the most important person in your life. And I wonder, how did you reflect on your grandmother's passing in light of the two encounters that preceded it, two encounters that really seem like two very powerful premonitions? Did you connect the events? Definitely. I I already knew I kind of knew from, from the first event and um, I was expecting it. I was waiting for it. And when it happened, I was, I was, I was sure that those were just the, you know, the, the signs um, that I happened to be able to see for some reason. And um, um, it was a very strange time and um, very strange traditions that we have there that, uh, followed uh, after her death um, in in Europe um, depends it depends you know in which which country you're referring to but in Bulgaria the person once they die their body 
in the coffin stays overnight in their, in their home um, with an open coffin. And um, there are certain superstitions and rituals that are done. Uh, mirrors are covered with black cloth um, and things like that, which we had to do. And um, it was just surreal. What was happening was surreal. And for my 12-year-old brain experiencing this, it was, it, was, it was really surreal. It was very scary and very... Um, it just changed me that moment. It really did. Had you ever had a spiritual or supernatural experience prior to these premonitions? No, not that I can remember, no. Okay. And you said that life changed for you significantly after this. This event very much changed you. How yes. how did you change? How did life change for you? Uh, I... Um... I feel that I got to um, understand or see something that is so widely rejected in, in um, today's world. I feel that I am 100% sure of what I saw, although I cannot 100% rationalize it. I am now certain that that there is life or there is existence after death. I'm certain of the beings around us. I'm certain that we can feel things and our sixth sense definitely um, works and um, pushes us into directions in life that we may not consciously understand or consciously recognize. Um, it gives me in a sense of peace that it isn't this isn't the end. It also gives me a sense of um, fear sometimes uh, because I realize that there are things around us uh, that we don't always see. Um, it changed it changed me as a person. It changed the way I perceive things and how I look at life and um, um, it's been a, it's been an interesting um, uh, experience in my life that uh, it st has stayed with me all these years and has remained a very um, big uh, factor in in how I view life mm -hmm. today. Oh, thank you, thank you for sharing all those insights and certainly a lot of what you've just spoken about uh, reflects the reasons why I have this podcast and my other show, Spirit Sisters, as well why I've written my books, because it is extremely important to acknowledge these events, I think, and listening to my guests and my interviewees all through the years, they reflect that back as well, that it's a, it's yeah. a healing experience to, to acknowledge the stories and then to share them. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. But um, I want to also ask you, Albina, I, I know that your grandmother continued to visit you in your dreams afterward. I was wondering if you'd share a little bit about that. Uh, yes. So um, while I was younger, I think it, I was a little bit more open to seeing her, I guess. And uh, following her death, she she came to my dreams in in a very real in, in a very real way with my conscious understanding that she is gone. I didn't 
dream of her as if she was around. I knew she was dead. And she knew she was dead in my dreams. Um, because sometimes we dream of people uh, and things that happen, but we don't put um, logic to it or um, it's, you know, they, they're just passing dreams. These were conscious conversations that I had with her in my within a dream within a dream, I would think. Okay. And so what what was could you share with us one or two of these conversations and any particularly outstanding messages that she she passed on to you? Uh yes, she she always came uh standing, which was really interesting because she was always outside the door of my room and um she would just appear there and stand by the door and um and the first time I dreamt of her I said to her but what are you doing here you you're dead um you're gone and she said yes um I'm gone but I'm always here I'm, I'm not far away I'm not that far away she said and um I remember having a conversation with her about um, come, come inside, come sit on my bed. And she said she never did. And she, she said, she always said, we can't, I can't cross this, this, um, this door, this threshold. I can't cross. I will just speak to you from here. And she always said that to me because I kept on insisting that she'd come inside the room. Um, but she couldn't, or she wouldn't. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and, um, on my, at my first, on my first conversation with her, I said to her, oh, are you happy? It's, ha tell me about heaven and hell. And I remember this because this is what we are taught, um, you know, um, religiously, heaven and hell. And she said to me that it isn't how you think. There isn't heaven and hell. It isn't what you think. Um, it's not exactly like that. And I, I'm not sure of the rest of our conversation. I have that really, really stuck with me, that memory from that particular conversation with her. So, um, so you asked about heaven and hell and she told you yes. not what you think, but she didn't elaborate or you, you can't remember? Um, I can't remember whether she did. I remember her saying, it isn't what you think. Mm -hmm. I'm closer than... I'm, I'm always close and I'm always around, but it, there isn't, there are no heaven and hell. It isn't what you think. Okay. Wow. It's, it's such a great story, Albina. Um, as we near the end of our conversation, I'd just like to touch on one point that you brought up earlier concerning the Eastern European culture and how people are so much more willing to embrace the mysterious and speak openly about it. Looking back, what do you think you had to gain from being immersed in that kind of world from birth? Um, well, I, I classify the, the world as the new world and the old world. And um, I've had um, the great opportunity throughout my life to um, witness both and learn a lot of different um things from the old world and I I did say particularly Eastern Europe because it has an immense history but so does a lot of of the European countries um we I grew up in, a, in an environment where 
they are not there's not only religion but they are there's a belief system there are traditions that date back before Christ before religion before Christianity as we know it today um the, the we have there are so many um different um uh beliefs and and um, people people this is a normal thing it's 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 a normal thing for people to discuss a life after death to um light candles for the dead to appreciate the ancestry to um acknowledge who who's been and who's about to come and um it is a very accepted uh, concept and conversation and a tradition almost um, where we acknowledge and celebrate life and death. Um, and I know that it's not only in Eastern Europe. I understand that it's many, many countries. Um, it, it's been an honor. It's been amazing seeing that and not only in Bulgaria, but in in many other countries all over the world. Yes, uh, I relate to what you're saying because I was born in Uruguay in South America and, you know, we do have a tradition that's similar there where we embrace the the mystical elements or certainly we used to um, more so than today perhaps. But I feel that there's, yeah, you, you touched on so many interesting things and um, it's like tapping into this idea of tapping into the sacred not needing a religion to tell us to do it. We just, there's this innate understanding that it's important to honour the ancestors, honour the dead, tap into the sacred, and it, it enhances life to do so. Absolutely, absolutely. We need to, we need to um, appreciate where we come from. We need to appreciate how we got here and everybody before us who made it possible and acknowledge and celebrate their life um, and remember them. And that is a big part of, of our culture, um, to honour to honor the people who have been, the people whose hands have built what we have today. That's a beautiful way to put it. So to sum up our conversation today, Albina, what can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? Um, that is uh, the fundamental question of my life. And um, it, it teaches us a lot. It teaches us. It reminds us that we we are here for a little bit. This is a gift here we have in the physical world. Um, we possibly have a purpose, um, although we don't we not necessarily we don't necessarily know what it is. Um, we are given an opportunity to be a physical being because, from my experience, I believe that beyond this life, this. The, the the being it's it's an energy it's a it's an energy of beings there's the spiritual um uh life afterwards we are given an opportunity to to have a life to have a, a physical existence um we put too much importance on um things that are not important and and less importance on um what we have here what we the creation of this physical of this physical world that we are given um and i always think when last did you look at the sky and appreciate it when last did you smell the flowers and appreciate them because it's going to stop we don't know how long um our lives are and i'm going to use an analogy that my grandmother taught me once mm. she said to me 
Life is like a field full of candles. Some candles are short, some candles are really, really long. We never know how fast our candle is going to burn. We don't know how long our candle is. Once a candle is lit, it's just a matter of time before it's down to the ground. Hopefully, our candles are long, um, but no matter how much time we are given here, um, it's important to appreciate where we are. It's important to appreciate um, everybody and everything that has come before us and to know that one day our, our eyes will close and it will be over. And we will hope that what we've left behind um, would be, we would be remembered for what we've left behind. Um, and we would be in peace, at peace, wherever we go um, beyond. Wow, that's, oh, what a wonderful response. I really am grateful to you today for coming on the show and sharing with us the story of your grandmother, Maria. And I just love the idea that the lessons that she taught you in Bulgaria when you were a little girl are now rippling out to thousands of other people all over Australia and perhaps all over the world. So thank you very much for joining us on the show, Albina. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Ghost Files. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating, review the show and tell a friend. 